So we had our rating system that's been in place since 1975. It's never been adjusted or changed. So as of October 1, 2021, we have a whole new system well, out let, there. Hey, let's right? not yes. do anything for 45 years and then completely change it. Is there, so, so is far, there it doesn't sound gonna, that drastic. Is there anything that's going to make us fall over in our chair? Like, look out, my. <laughs> You the know, elevator oh, yeah. from the first floor to the second floor is probably expensive to They replace. actually do charge <laughs> a higher premium for elevators. All right, welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell with our co-host, Mr. John Jones. And today we have a special guest, Ms. Lindsay O'Donnell from Florida Best Quote. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. She is a flood expert here in the Pinellas County area that we're going to spend some time talking to her about what has transpired over the last couple of weeks with the new flood policy changes that came into effect. We're actually going to go through, this will be cool, we're going to actually go through a couple of case studies, three or four case studies, where we're going to look at a property, what the premium was on flood before the change and what it is now and then talk a little bit about maybe what are some of the risk factors that went into mainly the increases. I think she found one that that was a decrease. <laughs> went down. We had found one that that went down. So cool. So, anyways, thanks again for joining us. By the way, uh, if you're a, a regular, we want to thank you so much for joining us here on the Context of Contracts podcast. If you're new to this, make sure that you like and subscribe so that you can see our new content that comes out every week. And with Jet, that John. Yeah, so I mean, the uh, NFIP, right, the National Flood Insurance Program, um, went ahead and put in place October 1st, 2021, um, essentially um, non-subsidized flood policies. Essentially a whole new rating system is what we've got. So we had our rating system that's been in place since 1975. It's never been adjusted or changed. So as of October 1, 2021, we have a whole new system out there. Let's not do anything for 45 years and then completely change it. Yes. Not only that, they also just rechanged all the maps in coastal areas. So now we're moving people's flood zones, adjusting things. We've all been spending two years waiting for those maps to come out. And now just as soon as they come out, we get a whole new rating system that just changes everything. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind in the uh, flood insurance market. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is it was kind of secret for a long time, right? They didn't give you guys any heads up as to how it was changing and what properties may or may not be affected. I mean, they just basically some will go up, some will go down. We really don't know. Yeah. It's it's definitely been interesting. As far as the flood maps go, those changing, we've had that information for a while. But when we've been telling people what to expect, we've been going off of the 1.0 rating factors. The risk rating 2.0 we've known about for a while, but we didn't even get information on what to expect until probably June or July of this year. And then the rates weren't even available until August. Yeah. So we were, we were having to kind of try and figure out what to expect, figure out what to tell our clients before we even knew what they would look like. All we had was FEMA came and said, well, you can expect about 7% of policies to rates to increase. So this is great. Most people will stay about the same or only go up about zero to $20 a month. However, that doesn't take take into account Florida specifically, and it doesn't take into account Pinellas County. Okay, so the 7% was a national number. That's a national, right. Yeah, and I might have that number a little bit wrong. I have that somewhere in here. But yeah, estimate, they made it look better. So the national estimate was around 7% of homes would be affected with an increase. With a significant increase. With a significant increase. The reality is, is in Florida... 
Florida, Louisiana, and Texas, I think, are the three biggest states that are impacted. Our real coastal areas, yeah. yep, okay. right on the waters. Listen, I think this is a big thing, and part of the reason we wanted to to bring Lindsay on and talk about this is, like, we've been talking, we live in the Tampa Bay area, we've been talking to an awful lot of realtors who are really concerned that this is going to be a major game changer for real estate in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back, I think it was 2015, right, when Congress didn't extend the subsidized flood rates for about 60 days. Uh, and we went through that little. Are you referring to Bigger Waters Act? Yes. That was 2012. Um, oh, and we okay. did, We they came out with a, a whole new system in 2012. They tried to get rid of subsidies altogether. Right. And that's where we were seeing, I think actually one of our clients made it into the newspaper. We had a flood premium go to $43,000. <sighs> and you were starting to see these forty yeah. to $50,000 premiums. And it just, it wasn't sustainable. It so couldn't I'll give work. you a true story. I had somebody in our neighborhood that was buying a house, just a, a single 2000 square foot house across the street from from the water right but in a flood zone and paying cash for the property they went ahead and the agent said they're gonna they're gonna get the flood policy they were from up in the northeast worried about the impact if we did have a hurricane that they'd need that insurance okay. sixteen thousand dollars house was two thousand square feet within 60 days that money was you know sub you know refunded back to them but they went ahead and closed wow not even needing flood insurance but at the same time knowing that i'm supposed to have insurance well they didn't need it because they weren't no financing Correct. okay yes. yeah Right. But technically, you probably you still it. You need right. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our little caveat to this whole conversation is that was the last attempt to try and get flood rates to a sustainable premium where as of right now, I mean, the debt with prior claims and losses that we've sure. had compared to the premium taken in has been the major issue. So that was the last attempt to try and fix this. Clearly, that wasn't going to work. We couldn't continue to have our our premiums be that high. So they actually just stopped all of that. And then they came out with the Homeowners Insurance Affordability Act, Homeowners Flood Insurance Affordability Act, HFFIA. Sorry, something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're following. <laughs> it sounds about right. <laughs> right? Something FEMA came up with. Um, and that came out in about March of 2013. And that adjusted the premium. So we had these crazy rates. They stopped it. And then they came out with an adjustment. So there's no knowing right now, there is the possibility that they could decide to stop this and make an adjustment down the road to try and fix some of these issues, or they may not. They may right. decide to uh, just continue down I, this path. I, I think the important thing is to um, for folks to understand why um, we feel like the rates are increasing because we're losing a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I think Congress wiped the slate clean, right, for, for the flood program about 18 months ago. And because of the recent events, we're now 20 billion in debt again because of the subsidized policy. So you see a lot of realtors, you know, petitioning homeowners saying, well, they're jacking up my rate. This isn't fair type of thing. We've been getting subsidies since 1975, essentially. So we, we're paying a lot less than we have, we were supposed to yeah. have been paying for many years. And now we're spoiled. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, the fact that there hasn't been a significant change in 45 years, I mean, you know, I've had a significant change in 45 years. I lost some hair. <laughs> I gained, gained some, some weight, weight. <laughs> you know. But that flood, was in insurance, flood insurance is well, still the same. <laughs> well, flood insurance has gone up. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's increased. I know I live on the water, and every year I get that increase, and it jumps. But nothing substantial to the level where it's going to be going now. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What does it look like? you know, in today's market, where we where, where are we going? What are we seeing? Right now, and just to your point, as far as the subsidies go, so the houses receiving the subsidies are houses built prior to 1975 because they were built before there were any guidelines or okay. rules. So FEMA gave them kind of a 
here, yeah, yeah, they give you a pass. You There were no rules in place, so here's your premium. Those houses so far we're not seeing as crazy of an adjustment to okay. because yes. the private market has been kind of there and helping out those policies policyholders for a while. Mm-hmm. Where we're seeing the biggest impact with these rates is for one, houses that are not in the flood zone. So they're not required to carry flood insurance, but these homeowners have chosen to carry this insurance because anywhere in Florida can flood, so it's yep. a good idea. Previously, those premiums were capped at $572 a year. The rates would go up a little bit every year. I think when I first started in the industry, they were around $430, so there was an increase. Um, now we're quoting some of these houses that are not in a flood zone. So flood insurance is not required. And the premiums through the NFIP are coming in at $6,000, $7,000, which just makes no sense. Makes no sense. If, if the premium's that high for an actuarial premium that's supposed to show the actual flooding risk for this property, why is it not in a flood zone? If right. the you're rate tell, is that you're high. telling me you wow. don't want me to purchase insurance. Right. <clears throat> Basically, it, it's um, my house should never flood. But in the past, people would go ahead and get the policy just yeah. in case it was it outside did. the 100 year flood. Um, uh, you know, event and um, and here six thousand dollars for a policy. That's right. discouraging. So, to and hear it's that. scary yeah. if you have someone moving from out of state and they're not used to flood insurance and they think, well, I'm not in a flood zone, thank goodness, but I want to be safe because I've heard right. about hurricanes and I've heard yeah. flooding can happen anywhere. And then an insurance agent hands them a five thousand dollar premium. Yeah. Why is it so high if I'm not in a flood zone? So yeah. it's that has been a bit of a struggle the really good news there is that's where the private market really shines okay so um just as a caveat the private market has only been out since 2012 that's when with bigger waters act fema actually allowed private companies to come in and offer flood insurance so they've been they've had now a good nine years to really kind of figure it out adjust their rates figure out how figure out how they're going to work everything mm-hmm. so they've really got a handle on the x zones so in most cases we're able to offer a pretty competitive rate there in the private market. So whereas most of those houses used to stay with the NFIP because the rates were good, they were standard set, you knew exactly what you're getting, now most of those homes are going to end up in the private market. So okay. the, the biggest thing there is just making sure you talk to an insurance agent who has access to a lot of private market companies. What percentage of homes homeowners would you say go with a private policy versus the NFIP? Previously, up until now, I believe, and gosh, I've got that exact number somewhere written down in here, but I believe it was about 90%, 85 or 90% of homeowners were with the NFIP. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. it's a very small number that's been with the private market up until now. The, most of the homes that we were placing with the private market were non-primary or rental properties okay. because FEMA had decided a few years ago that if you could afford a second home or a rental property, you could afford to pay more for flood insurance. So those premiums were significantly higher through the NFIP, and we placed a lot of those at the private market. Okay. We're expecting now a drastic shift in direction there where a majority of homes will probably start moving over to the private market. I, hopefully the private market will become more robust, we'll have more carriers come in, better rating factors, and we'll move more homes to that. So it's kind of, that's where we're all kind of trying to figure out what exactly FEMA's trying to accomplish here because if they lose a majority of their policies, they're they're losing that premium that they need to take to, to cover their to losses. To pay other losses, yeah. Correct. Correct. Okay. So one of the big changes is distance from the water, right? Regard and, and it's disregarding elevation in many cases. It, so it's not necessarily disregarding, but it's not taking into account like it was before. So my first big issue was with the X zones. We're seeing that. Now where we're seeing the major issues are with newer construction homes that are closer to the water. 
So our house is on the water. Again, since 1975, we've had flood maps in place. We've had guidelines for if you're going to build a home, you need to build it at least above the base flood elevation, which is where they expect flooding to occur. Mm -hmm. So homeowners have been putting tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars into building their houses up using an elevation certificate to figure out the premium based on the exact elevation of the BFE compared to the first floor. Now, what we're seeing is we're taking other factors into account and elevation is just a part of that. So now we're looking at your distance to a flooding source. So if you're by the coast, premiums are higher. If you're right near a lake, premiums are higher. Um, They're taking into account the type of flooding source. So if it's storm surge versus a, a lake that has pretty good drainage, you might see different premiums there. They're taking into account, they're not necessarily requiring an elevation certificate, but it can still get you a better rate. Otherwise, what they're using is basically actuarial science to look at the estimated elevation of the ground and then the estimated elevation of the first floor of the home, the first living floor. So they're not looking at those exact numbers anymore like we were on the elevation certificate. We can still provide it, and they say it could result in a better premium, but what we're seeing is like a $500 to $1,000 difference. Um, They're also taking into account the cost to rebuild the home. This one they've never taken into account before. Yes, so if you have a $2 million house on the beach, they're gonna get higher rates than a $150,000 house in a flood zone. So where we're seeing the biggest disparity, disparity, thank you, where we're seeing the biggest disparity in premiums is these houses where they've done everything right, they're built to code, they're built up 10, 12, 13 feet, you know, you've got the- The wash through first floor. Yeah, you've got the garage on the first floor, they've done everything right. Their premiums used to be four or $500 to the NFIP, now we're looking at four thousand, five thousand, six thousand, eight thousand wow. dollars because they're close to the coast. They're high value homes, and uh, the elevation of the ground is low. So it's been. And we have in Pinellas County alone, just I mean, all all throughout Florida, most of the homes that were built in the last thirty years are built that way. Yeah. You know, so they have enjoyed that that low. Yeah. That, you know, as a result, building up, they thought they were protected, and now they're gonna. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, with a premium increase of that much, it takes me back to like. You know, 2007, 2008, where arms were adjusting or people were getting into payments where like, hey, my payment was X when I bought the house. Sticker shop. But now it's going to Y because maybe it switched off of interest only or there was an arm that went up or something like that. This is a similar type of situation. You get a significant increase in the cost of housing. And I mean, today they would just sell the home. You know, I would assume because they probably have equity in it, but... You're not going to just quit paying your mortgage because of it, I don't think. But there's going to be folks who are currently living in homes that with increases like this, they might not be able to afford going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the tough decision, a lot of these homeowners are probably mortgage-free, right? In many cases, they've been in the house, you know, a number of years, paid the mortgage off, and they may make that decision, what do we do? Why carry it? Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, if you're you're in that house that's built up and you know that, what are the chances? The water gets that high, the county's... Yeah, that's what you're saying. You know, yep. so at that point, you just they're, they're being asked, like, don't get flood insurance. Okay. We're going to make it. It's tough. Know, it's a tough decision. Yeah. No, what they have done is they have created, and this is where the idea is that this is going to be affordable and this is going to work, is that they're not requiring a current homeowner who currently has a policy through the NFIP to pay these new rates immediately. They're going to be on a glide path. 
So they'll have they'll have their rate premium wherever it is right now what they're paying. So if they're paying that six hundred dollars and their new premium through the with the risk rating 2.0 is six thousand dollars, it will go up eighteen percent every year until they get to that new premium. Oh, now okay. the one caveat here is that someone who's buying a home right they have to get a new flood policy in place so if they're going out and getting their own quotes they're going to see that they're six thousand dollars immediately premium. can they now, not assume they can assume okay. so we can still assume flood policies which is that's what's going to keep this going and that's what we're pretty much telling most of our buyers right now is find out what the seller's paying get a copy of their policy and let's find out if it's assumable if okay. it's through the nfip they'll be able to continue that glide path and then the good news here is in the past we could never tell someone what their final rate would be with fema you know, they would ask me, what exactly am I looking at for a flood cost here? Well, I know right now the premium's $2,200, but that could go up 18% every year, and I have no idea what, yeah. what, they're, what they're aiming for. Yeah, or what just, they're to, just for. so you understand, 18% doesn't sound like a lot, but it means that it it's going to double your premium in four years. Right. So until it gets to that yeah. point. So it is a, it, it's a bigger number than what the 18 sounds friendly. Yeah. The reality is it's going to double in four. So I want to get into some of these case studies here real quick. But I, I had a thought too. You know, John, we're working with loan originators who are pre-approving buyers today, right? And we're pre-approving based on somewhat of a guess of what we think homeowners or flood might be, right? Yeah. And in today's market, they're probably making offers on multiple homes. You know, like let's say two years ago, you were going to make an offer on a home, there's a pretty good chance you were going to figure out something out with the seller. You're probably going to go on a contract with that. So in that case, a good LO is probably going to reach out to somebody like Lindsay and say, hey, can you quote me on this policy before I issue a pre-approval letter? Today, in the market we're in, I think that's harder to do. But the other flip side of this is, um, I think agents, when you list a property, should be getting quotes on these and include them in the MLS so that we know what kind of payment this borrower is looking at or buyer, whether they're paying cash or whether they're financing, you should know going into it before time. you go under contract. So a little pro tip there for our real estate agent friends who are watching. But Lindsay, you got a couple of examples for us. Let's before we segue into that, I just want to touch on something that the, the risk now is a look back of 20 years I'm hearing. Oh, so for like, prior so, claims. Thank yeah, you so, so much. I yeah. actually forgot to mention so, that. So I think it's important that you know that uh, I think disclosures will have to be a little tighter for realtors. It's, it's um, because in the past, what will happen or it's, I'm interested to see what will happen. You know, because I may have a home that's in a flood area that hadn't flooded, but I may have the entire second half of the street that was underwater. Mm -hmm. And the look back, my understanding is just like okay. a, a car insurance policy, that house, they're looking back 20 years. And if you've had prior events, your your policy is going to be you know it, impacted. It yeah. will be so. The way they're doing it is that it, this will not the prior loss frequency will not come into account as far as a rating factor goes until you have your first loss moving forward. So as of ten one moving forward, as soon as you have a, a flood loss, okay, they're not going to hit you with that one. That one won't affect your rates, but that will immediately trigger that twenty year rolling history. Well, they'll, where they'll look back and see. Okay. So we do have some homes that are severe repetitive loss properties. They've been getting really high premiums right now. They will continue to have that severe repetitive loss surcharge included in their rate. And then when they have their next flood loss, it will then switch over to the twenty year rolling history and the prior flood losses. Okay. So the the issue here is I get a lot of realtors call me and they say, Sorry. can you tell me if there's been any flood claims on this house? I cannot. I can, there's no way for me to look it up. Wow. There's no clue report for me to run. The only person who can run a flood loss history on a home is the current homeowner. Wow. So then you have to ask a seller to call FEMA 
get that report, and then it comes down to you've got to, to your disclose point. That you're saying that that should be in the disclosures. Yeah, there's going to yeah. have to be some. It will probably adjust because if you buy this house and you think your flood premium will be three thousand dollars, you're going to want to know if there's a prior loss in the last yeah. twenty years. Yeah. Wow. Well, going forward, I would think technology would allow you to right going forward whether there's a problem but that certain, certain sure neighborhoods like in Pinellas County and I'm not going to you know point any out but we know typically typically that even with, with a hard rain there's flooding that occurs right. from from coming up through the sort from the drains yeah right so well, and they, they, it's it's almost in every 3 4 5 year yeah, you know, well, and, and hurricane type thing was that Hurricane Ada in November of last year? That kind of surprise end of season hurricane that came through, and we didn't really have any. Da- or actually, it was a tropical storm. We didn't really have any wind damage or anything, but that was where some of our low lying areas on the coast flooded. And you heard so many people say, "I've been here 20, 30 years. I've never seen flooding yeah. before," yeah. and those houses experienced flooding. So yeah. it's that one's going to be tough. So. All right. Well, do we want to take a look at a couple? Let's, let's do it. All right. Absolutely. What you got for us? All right. So I had this one come up, and I found this one to be kind of fascinating and wanted to discuss it with you guys. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. So, <laughs> so with I mentioned there are new flood maps, right? So we've got a lot of houses that changed flood zones. So I've come across a house that is on a certain island in Clearwater, so surrounded by water, very low-lying area. The house was previously in Sounds flood. Sounds like a state. <laughs> yeah, all of Pinellas <laughs> County. Um, the house was previously in flood zone A. The premium on this house was $2,500 with an elevation certificate based on flood zone A. Built a code, built above base flood elevation. Everything's great. $2,500. The house has now been moved to zone X on an island surrounded by water. They moved it to zone X. Flood insurance is no longer required. I quoted this house to see what the premium would be based on this zone X that it was moved into. And the new flood insurance premium through FEMA with the risk rating 2.0 is $3,200. Previously in this zone, they would have paid the $572 on a PRP policy. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable though. I could live with that. I'd be all, it's, I'd it's be excited not too bad, but yeah, why are we moving that house to an X zone if the flood premium is actually higher, even with an elevation Yeah, I mean, that, that part doesn't make it a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole yeah. lot of sense. So the, but the, the problem here is that the homeowner got excited because they're no longer in a flood zone. Yeah. They were expecting that $572 they're gonna save two grand a year. Premium. Right, yeah. right. And now, thankfully, that one came about before these new, ma- these new rates came into place. So I was able to place them quickly with FEMA. They'll be on a glide path until their premium increases but it's just when you're moving to an x zone and i get people who call so excited i'm no longer in a flood zone what's my rate going to be and there's just some sticker shock there with that so yeah. that one was okay. i just thought that was kind of amusing obviously that house should probably still be in a flood zone but here we are yeah that, that's the interesting part too. that's interesting. this is on an is island it, surrounded by I, water is it island estates yes okay yes okay is. <laughs> so so there's that. Um, now for one of the, the good situations. So now we're taking into play. Uh, so previously with flood zones, we were only looking at, we had standard rates in place and we were only looking at whether you're in an A zone, a V zone or an X zone. There's a few other zones, but you just don't see them that much around here. And the rates were all standard depending on your elevation or the if you were getting subsidized premiums, primary, non-primary, there weren't a whole lot of factors that went into it other than the elevation of the home. Okay. So if you've got a subsidized home, a home that previously received subsidized rates in zip code 33702, so a little bit further inland in St. Petersburg, uh, with a subsidized premium previously, they were receiving a premium of about 2,098. 
Now, because they're further from a co the coast, so they're further from a flooding source, um, their flooding source is probably more drainage than it is actual storm surge. The value of this house is about 200,000, so it's a lower value home. And, uh, and it is on slabs, so it's first floor elevation, but because our ground elevation is estimated or assumed to be a bit higher, their new renewal rate is 1,400. Okay, so there's one that went down. We've got one that went down. We've got a winner in Pinellas County. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're really, Everybody rushed to move there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm seeing with that is if you're close to an X zone, so you know you've seen those houses where yeah. my neighbors aren't in a flood zone, but I am, but I am yeah. right, or we're not in a really significant flood zone. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of like in an area that doesn't drain well. Those houses are seeing slightly better premiums because of all those rating factors. So now they're getting a better rate for that. So, yeah. like I mentioned, the ones where we've got the tricky situation are our newer homes in flood zones built properly, and uh, and now they're not getting that. So, another example I have. This is in zip code 33705. <laughs> so, this one I don't think is going to be so good. Yeah, this is in St. Petersburg. This is close to the bay, so low-lying area. Okay. Um, but it's brand new construction. It's under construction right now. It's not even complete, which means the builder had to go to the city and say, how high do we need to build? Um, wh what do we need to do to build two FEMA code so that this house will not flood in the event mm -hmm. of a flooding okay. scenario? Yeah. So they built two feet above where they were supposed to, two feet. Okay. So previously their flood rate through the NFIP would have been about $450 just quoted that house for them to see what it will be now as we get closer to construction being finished forty four hundred dollars wow so they've spent tens of thousands of dollars to build that house up it's built above where previously they fema said flooding would occur it's built to avoid flooding and now their flood premium is forty four hundred dollars a year it is a higher value home I believe the replacement cost is about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars on that they can still only get two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. of coverage Right. Right. However, they're getting a higher premium because so they're maxed. They're maxed at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in yeah, coverage. Yeah. By the way, Still. that hasn't changed since yeah. nineteen seventy-five. So good luck to all of us if if there's a disaster and, and your house that is, is damaged. Stupid. You can right? still purchase excess flood coverage, but most people choose not to because why to would who, I? Like I don't Lloyd want to pay to more. Or any of the private market carriers okay. or the write your own companies that offer the the national flood insurance program. What policies, percentage do that? They write excess. Do, do many? Like just curious. Uh, no, pretty good amount of them do. Actually, okay. it's it's it's. it's easy opportunity for them they won't write in situations where the houses aren't a good risk to take essentially mm -hmm. so like a lot of them won't write on barrier islands they won't write within a certain distance yeah. to post so it's a pretty good exposure for them to take on um and the flood premiums aren't bad there so you can get more coverage than the two hundred fifty thousand, but forty four hundred dollars here for two hundred fifty thousand. it's max. something that just always interested me when um you know somebody financing a let's say a one level waterfront home and paying a million dollars, right? In many cases, and if they're if they're required to have flood insurance, and that's two fifty, and they're at a mortgage of eight hundred, where's the gap? And as lenders, why are we allowing that? Makes me wonder, because certainly if that house is damaged due to flood, yeah. and you're going to get a check for two fifty, and I'm looking for my eight hundred, where are we? Well, at? I think John, in most cases, it's not it, it's not a total loss situation. You're not rebuilding the house from the ground up. You know, like you're replacing flooring, kitchen cabinets, some drywall, probably not even all the way up. You know, you're replacing the six feet of drywall all the way around. You would hope. Um, what we saw with the biggest, like the, the biggest value truly is in the dirt, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the well, rebuild is probably, you know, 
350, 450. Any of our storms that have gone up through like New Jersey, the coastal areas there that wiped out houses, Hurricane Michael that went through the Panhandle. I mean, those houses were gone. Yeah, there was not even a house yes. to look at. Those they couldn't be rebuilt for 250 thousand. They ended up having to sell for the land, and investors yeah, isn't, came in isn't to buy them up. Catastrophic wind coverage going to cover some of that too, or is it not all if, just not if there's storm surge? No, they fight both each other. That's, yeah, and that's if a it's tough if it's determined to be mostly storm surge that did it, homeowners will deny all day long. Yeah. So the excess flood is a good idea. The, the thing that to keep in mind is the National Flood Insurance Program was created to provide flood insurance for homeowners. It is not meant to make you whole. It was never meant to be a home insurance policy. It was never meant to make you whole in the event of a loss. Mm -hmm. It was essentially meant to help in trying to avoid FEMA having to come in and provide grants for people or to provide um, right. funds in the event of a catastrophe. So that's, I think, where a lot of everyone always expects this flood insurance policy should act like my home insurance policy. Sure. Private market carriers are offering a product that does work more towards making you whole. So again, that's where the private market can shine. In this situation with this property I just mentioned, where NFI IP's $4,400, private market's coming in at six eighty. So we can switch them over to private market and I can get them 750000 of coverage to rebuild their home. Okay. I can get them loss of use coverage. I can write them a better policy that will make them whole. So there is, there is some silver lining here. It's just some of these homes are not going to experience the better rates in the private market and they're going to be stuck with whatever the NFIP provides okay. to them. So all right. It's a, the biggest thing is just shop around, make sure you're working with an insurance agent who has access to these private markets. And then for realtors and lenders is just making sure, I recommend getting the quote yourself and providing it to a potential buyer. Because if they go out there and they get that quote and it's $4,400, it's $5,000, it's just gonna scare people Making away. sure they know that it's assumable. Yep. If you're a homeowner looking to sell and you have an existing flood policy and you see an increase of 18%, if you're selling, don't let that policy lapse. You know, Absolutely. It's going to change the uh, the value potentially of uh, or the amount yep. of people that would look to buy that house. As soon as the policy lapses, these, this glide path is gone. You're right. back to full risk rates immediately. Okay. So we've got to be really careful. We've got to watch our lenders, make sure they're getting the renewal policy. They're paying that in time. They don't give any 90 days like the homeowner's insurance policies wow. do. So once that lapses. Yeah, you can't let that miss. Right. Miss a beat, you're done. Right. I've done wow. that just duly noted years back. Well, shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't a big deal. Back you blame then, it on your wife. Are you going to blame it on your wife? Oh no, yes. <laughs> it's Christina. <laughs> Christina with a K. <laughs> All right. So, um, Lindsay, can you? Is there? You've given us a couple of cases so far. Is there? So, so is far, there it doesn't sound that drastic. Is there anything that's going to make us fall over in our chair? Like, look out! <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Well, definitely not fall over as much as a $40,000 premium would, but there are some situations out there that are going to be pretty painful for people. Okay. Um, so I've got one example that is in Beller Beach, Florida, so right on the coast. Know it well. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we've got a house there that was built in the early 2000s, built totally to code. First floor is all garage, no living space on the first floor. We've got flood no enclosed, no, no enclosed kitchen area, you no, sure? Right. Okay. <laughs> right. We haven't redone the whole thing and turned it into yeah. a, a mother-in-law suite on the first floor. <laughs> um, so we've got all our living space up on the second floor. Premium through the NFIP was about $1,200 a year previously. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we built it, built its code. Everything's great. High value home, probably about $1.5 million to rebuild. Now, with the new rates coming out, if you look at the quote for that, we're at $6,400. With risk rating 2.0. Okay. <laughs> that so one goes up a little bit. You have yeah, a buyer. 500%. That's, right. Ouch, ouch. Just, yeah. you know, not too big of a deal. You have a buyer jump in, take a look at that house. They're going to get that super high premium. So um, there are situations where it's pretty rough. Again, that house will get, as long as the seller has 
an NFIP policy in place, you're going to have that glide path increase of 18% every year to get up to that $6,400. Because this is one situation where even in the private market, the best rate we've got is about $5,100. Wow. So the situation, the issue where this is going to be problematic is if the seller didn't live there, didn't have a mortgage, doesn't have flood insurance, or they've got their flood insurance through the private market now and it's not assumable. Yep. Um, or if they, you know, if they just let it lapse accidentally, a buyer is going yep. to come in and they're going to have to immediately go to that $6,400 premium. So in that, that's a situation. This house, this builder did everything right. House is built right to avoid flooding issues, to avoid damage. They're doing everything by the rules and yet they're paying $6,400 where you have other houses that are Right I mean, on I guess the water like, the slab. Is that like in the event like, like a category five comes through? Like we're, we're betting on that. We're, it, we're, we're paying for, situ- for places where you don't see flooding happen as often. So when you right. see a storm go through an area that doesn't normally have a major flooding issue, they're not, it's not a peninsula in the middle of the water. Um, we're essentially paying the premiums to help cover those losses in areas where you, you know, those storms that have gone up the East Coast that have I hit, where they're, we're paying for claims that are happening all over the country, essentially. Wow. Florida has a very small percentage of the actual flood insurance c- claims across the board, but we've really? also now I mean, got- if you, if you have a washout basement, right, essentially a garage that is designed that way to be elevated and wash out in the event of a flood, how much damage dollar wise could have you know even if it's six feet of water ended up in that space it's it's concrete block um you know with some drywall right you know, shouldn't have any finished areas so right. you're pretty much no just, finish nothing no idea. plumbing no yeah. you know i mean that's it so i mean it, it can't be super expensive to the know, elevator kind of, yeah. from the first floor to the second floor is probably expensive to they return. actually do charge <laughs> a higher premium for elevators you actually need to have the elevator up on the top floor when the storm's coming <laughs> yeah. through just a pro tip <laughs> definitely who left the elevator <laughs> with grandma in there it's terrible that wow. escalated quickly yeah. are there certain pocket markets you want to talk about that might be more impacted I mean, you, you probably should, if you're looking to buy, be asking agents that you know, identify there are markets here. And, and I know in Pinellas County, I live on the water. I know there's certain neighborhoods that we see on the news, you know, over Where? the last 20, 25 years that I, it's typically certain pockets that are impacted more than others. Where the rate increases are higher, where it's, it's harder yeah, to get. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, get. going forward, like, it, you know, just be prepared that, you know, once that goes on record after that first occurrence, you, you could see some jump. Yeah. With that, I would say probably if you're looking, you know, Reddington Shores, Madeira Beach area, all of those lying areas down the Pinellas Coast saw mm-hmm. a lot of flooding happen. Then there's other areas you know about, Bayshore Boulevard area, mm-hmm. always yep. tends to flood. Um, South Tampa. Yep. Uh, yep. South Tampa tends to flood a lot. Um, Oh gosh, not is it around Coquina Key? Um, that area in there, yeah, on the on the bay, that area is really low lying, and you tend to see a lot of flooding. My my thing, because I've had clients ask me, is if if I can't get that flood loss report, what can I do? Talk to the neighbors. Neighbors know when yeah. there's been flooding, when there hasn't been. Talk to been. them before you close on the house and not after, because yes. after they'll tell you everything. Yeah, You want to know before you actually yeah. close. Absolutely. Or, or yeah. go under contract. I yeah. mean, that's a good point. Something else you talked about, and I'm not sure that we covered it, is DeSantis. 
Um, there's some there's some talks about him maybe seeing if we could extend some of these sub subsidized rates. There have been a lot of a lot of uh, legislators who have sent. Uh, they, I think they sent a bill up to Congress asking that they stop the implementation of 2.0, review everything, see where this is. The, the biggest issue is when they looked at all of the rates, they looked at the premium increases, they were mostly looking at this first year in the glide path rates. They weren't looking at really the new purchases. They weren't looking at the Three, new four, bills. Three, four, five years down. Right. They yep. weren't taking into account these homeowners who have done everything right now and they're now getting blasted with these premium increases that they weren't expecting. You're building a brand new house. You've done everything right. You're under mm -hmm. contract already. There's no stopping that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that just it, commercial properties, RC BAPs, condo buildings, they didn't even separate out any information on that. They lumped it all in together with single family homes. What's going to happen with those policies? Condos so, going up or down? Well, condo for unit owners, they're probably going to see better rates if they do carry their own flood insurance because now we're looking at the actual floor, the first floor that that, that yep. condo's on. Previously, they got rated from first floor of the building. Now okay. they'll be rated up there. For RC BAPs, for the actual association policy, they're going to get the, the 2.0 rates. There was no information Which, that I mean, came out just, and said. It's just <laughs> going to affect your homeowners, dude. You, just, you wonder how this plays out, you know, a year, three years, five years right. in, in Florida, um, Louisiana, Texas, these states. I mean, certainly folks think about people that live on the water and then they're, they're not um, necessarily worried that they can't afford to pay. But we've that just because you're um, on the water at needing flood doesn't mean we have more people that are off the water that are in flood zones, right. low-lying areas, lower to middle-income households like Louisiana, for example, that seems to the last decade, you know, gets tracked, you know, you know, it seems like yeah. every year. Yeah. Like, wh what's gonna happen real estate wise in some of these, you know, different, you know, if they don't get subsidized, it's gonna be devastating right. to like entire cities. Yeah, so I mean, we, we've only seen these premiums now for about 31 days. Right. Um, we've only seen the impact so far on new purchases for that 31 days. So I think it will take a little bit more time this time around. With Bigger Waters Act, I mean, they put a stop to that pretty quickly. Yeah. Because th that's where we saw those $40,000 premiums, $50,000 premiums that were just obscene. That was easy to see that there was something wrong. With this, it's going to take a little bit more time and a little bit more information to show what to expect. Um, the fact that there's a glide path for existing homeowners will probably me probably means that it'll take a little bit longer before Congress catches up and says, okay, we need to adjust some this things. Isn't, this is becoming unaffordable. Right. But as, if we see these issues coming up with the new purchases, the new builds, with the homeowners who are seeing what their premium will look like in a few years, and there's an uproar about that, there's a, there's a good chance that Congress could say, okay, let's stop this. Let's take a closer look at what's happening. I would, I hope. But yeah, again, I, who I knows? As well. maybe as, not <laughs> as living in a flood zone and owning a rental property that also is in a flood zone that's not on the water and is certainly not of great value compared to mm -hmm. the average home in Pinellas County. I'm curious to see where that premium goes. It's already pretty high. As you mentioned, uh, non-owner occupied, they tend to mm -hmm. ding you a little harder. So, you know, again, I can't see water anywhere near my house. Right. You know, that, but, but yeah. I'm paying, um, again, we talked about I'm paying for something that I don't really get a value from. Yeah. An another bit like of, my new uh, roof. Like, like, like <laughs> yeah. a new roof. <laughs> yeah. Another bit of good news is that we're with the non-primary homes, we're not seeing as significant of a premium difference on those. Maybe $500, where in the past it was more like okay. double yeah. premiums for non-primary. You'd have. Although the difference from 2012 to today, are there more private carriers now that are that are jumping in? Yes. It seems seems to be the case. Yeah. So it's that's... been it's been a bit of an up and down situation. It's been you know we've had highs and lows with the private market flood with some of these storms that have come through. Right. You know they've like I said they're they're 
pretty new to the market. They're pretty new to, to offering flood insurance. So um, they've come in, they've offered premiums, they've had to make adjustments, they've stopped offering, they've come back. So we're seeing a bit of a level, leveling out with the private market and kind of some more standardized rates where we can kind of expect what carriers are coming in competitive here, what ones won't. Um, and hopefully all of this will just bring about more carriers, more options, and that will that will be the best bet for homeowners, especially in Florida. Well, Lindsay, thanks for dropping by, spending some time with us, dropping some knowledge on us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Um, we'll make sure that people know how to get in contact with you if they have any, if they watch this and have any questions for Homeowners you. Homeowners in flood, you need to call her. <laughs> yeah, you need to call Lindsay. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Context to Contracts podcast. I'm going to have John Jones and Lindsay. Thanks, I am guys. Brian. If there's anything that you need, always here to serve.